everyone. This is Mark Anthony with Edge on Regenerative Medicine Show, the place where we bring you the best of the best doctors in their area and niche. I'm excited today because I have a friend, Dr. Thomas Sanctucci. Love that last name. You got mm. the Italian going on. And so yeah. um, with that being said, you know, I call him not just Dr. Thomas, but also a friend. We've had him on the show before. Um, you can also find him at Advanced Regen dot com advancedregen.com he's in the campbell california area and today we're going to be talking a little bit about a stem cell update but before we do uh dr thomas thank you so much for being on the show my pleasure good to see you again yeah you too and so tell us maybe a little bit about um your passion how you got into what you're doing and um some of the, the things that you offer at your clinic Right. It's been kind of an evolution. So I um, have a history of high-speed car accidents. So 20 in uh, total. So wow. Whoa. Yeah. I was a IBM strategic planner. And um, after my millionth and a half dollars worth of surgery, the last time I didn't get well. And so they were going to amputate my leg and then they were going to do a whole bunch of other things. And I thought that that was not sensible. And in part of my career, I was in operations research and sort of strategic planning. And one of the things that we used to do was we used to take things in context. It's like a concept where you say, you know, you obviously say what you believe to be true, but you also get enough information that other people believe it to be true. And um, so um, I went through and, and talked to, I had 22 doctors at the time, and I went through and talked to each one of them about the possibility of me getting well. Wow. And none of them thought that that was a probability, or most of them didn't think it was a possibility. So I ended up interviewing for medical schools. And so I was going to go to the University of Chicago orthopedics program. Um, my family's medical. My father was a psychiatrist, um, surgeon, oh. you know, so we kind of do that stuff. Been a Cracker Barrel psychiatrist since I was eight, I think. But um, <laughs> so um, we always kind of knew that there was good doctors and bad doctors. What I didn't know was that there was whole professions that kind of put you on the shelf. And that's what they did with me. They basically were like, you cannot get well. Wow. Um, I just didn't believe it. I didn't have some special strength. I just didn't believe it. So I was like, in the whole world, there's nobody who's gotten well from the kind of, I had a particular kind of paralysis. And then um, something called reflex sympathetic dystrophy, where part of your brain turns off, and then three autoimmune diseases. And that's from car accidents. So 25 years ago, they did not believe that any of those things could happen from trauma. So they thought I had AIDS. That was real fun. And then, um, you know, it was this whole- <laughs> That was real you know, fun. <laughs> yeah, it was zero fun to not be taken seriously. Um, so the long story short, my orthopedist sent me to a chiropractor. My family hated chiropractors. Um, they thought they were fake doctors. They thought they only had two years of education, blah, blah, blah. So no, no, uh, no, no love there. So I went to this chiropractor and she was an applied kinesiology chiropractor. So it means she knew some muscle testing and she knew some biochemistry. And she had me walking in three months. And that was kind of it. And it was one of those sudden revelations. And I was like, I'm going to be a chiropractor. Wow. So when you go from being a strategic planner to being a chiropractor, your IQ goes down 50 points and all your friends leave. So my fa my family oh, was boy. hiding their children from me for fear I would like adjust them or something, you know. Um, 20 years later, I can't go to a family event without my family lining up their kids to have me adjust them. But, um, you know, it's a different world now. So um, anyway, so I went to chiropractic college and chiropractic college is, and most people don't know this, they either have very strong feelings, they have the best chiropractor on earth, which is fabulous, mm -hmm. or they think it's like really an osseous mechanic. And so chiropractic is involved in orthopedics. And I have a strong orthopedic background as a result of those five years of, of that education. Um, but really these days, the chiropractic philosophy, and this wasn't something I was ever big on before, you know, really recently, um, the idea that the body's self-healing um, is, is really a strong one. And so 
one of the things that's just true, um, one about research and two about uh, pharmacology, if we had to pick out the certain way the mechanism works of anything in the human body, we will probably get it wrong. When we got an orange and you go to the mixed bioflavonoid family and you pick out vitamin C and then you have ascorbic acid as your surrogate for it, surrogate acid, sur, uh, sorry, um, uh, the vitamin C surrogate does not do what an orange does. And so we keep getting it wrong. So in, in chiropractic, they kind of didn't have the science all put together when I went to school, but now they do. So now chiropractors can be clinical nutritionists, like I'm a clinical nutritionist. Mm -hmm. They can be functional neurologists, like our clinic does a lot of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. And then they can also be quote unquote holistic or preventative doctors. And that turns out to be a, a not nonsensical thing. That's mm -hmm. the better bet. You know, one, you don't have extra body parts. You don't have an extra you. This is your obligation to take care of this body, soul, spirit, mind, everything. And um, I really think chiropractors are ahead. Now, having said that, real world, because like half of what my, I own a medical clinic, and so I have an MD, a, a, an osteopath, two nurse practitioners, and two medical assistants. So we're up to our ears in medicine in our clinic. I design everything. It's my concepts, but they, you know, I'm not allowed to stick a needle in a person as right. an example, but a 16-year-old girl with a phlebotomy course can, you know, so it, it just... There, there's really contention here, and, and we don't want to bother people with all this, except that it's going to affect their life. And what's happened really on the medical side is that we've got institutions that are supposed to be innovating, protecting us, you know, ushering right. in the new technologies. They're really failing. And um, that's sad to me. I, I didn't want that fight. I didn't want to have to deal with the fact that, you know, like the FDA is a very complex organization that that is saying a lot of different things that are contradictory. Mm -hmm. But when we got into Regen and you know sort of going on that thing, every two years I've redesigned my clinic for the last 28 years. There's wow. been new things. So we went from you know offering chiropractic and then clinical nutrition. I have 10 years of functional medicine with the Jeff Bland group, Functional Medicine Institute. Well, then chiropractic actually changed because Carrick came in and did the Carrick neurology. And so I did a thousand hours of that. And um, one of, of your favorite people, um, Andy Barlow, was the one that unraveled it all for me. So it wasn't until I took his four stage training that I actually understood anything. And even then, if you think you understand something in neurology, you probably don't. Um, you know, so it's it's really, really very, very, very involved. But the interventions were great, and we could we I could fix a whole lot of things I couldn't fix before. So we were doing brain scans and neurofeedback for you know a, a half a decade, and then what happened is is that stem cells came into the picture, and so stem cells all of a sudden changed the whole world. So the regenerative yep. thing exactly. goes back to the original philosophy of the body being self healing. Mm -hmm. And, and on that, you know, you just want to take a second and think about the reality of what an omnipotent stem cell is. So at some point, you or God um, created yourself out of two cells. So let's just talk about that. So those two cells differentiated in a, in a cascade to five different kinds of cells, and then ultimately to 120 different kinds of cells. Also think of the healing condition inside the womb. So the baby's floating in amniotic fluid. And so amniotic fluid is one of the fluids that people can extract mm -hmm. without hurting anybody. And, and really it's medical waste. So, you know, it's a good use of recycling. Exactly. And, and that will help the healing process, but at a very basic level. So amniotic fluid is basic um, and it's not bad. Um, Medicare and a couple of groups came in and basically vilified amniotic fluid products. Um, every time something turns into a product or has a billing code, the pushback has been unbelievably negative. You know, like the people that are doing it are criminal. So, you know, and I'll get into a hierarchy, but, you know, doctors have been injecting everything from salt water to steroids in joints, you know, for the last 50 years and acting like that's good medicine. Amniotic fluid is better than those things. 
it's it's on par with PRP or your own blood being spun right. down. But you know, definitely steroids are the worst thing. Salt water is probably a little better than that, but it's still not good. And then amniotic fluid is that first level. So long story. Um, when we went to investigate what to use for regenerative medicine, there's it it it, it was so polarized, it's not funny. And that is. It was done by medical groups. And remember, that's the way regular medicine is set up. They've got really good boundaries. You know, um, you know, the podiatrist doesn't do anything past your ankle. You know, like they, they had it all sussed out. One of the good things and terrible things about being a quote unquote complementary and alternative medicine practitioner is we don't have boundaries. We're also not allowed to own very much. So when you fix a four-stage cancer patient, you have to say it was diet or nutrition or you know prayer, which is what we do. Um, so um, going back to this, this hierarchy, so we, we've got amniotic fluid there, and there's a lot of amniotic fluid. It's an inexpensive right. thing to do. They have to clean up the debris, but frankly, the labs are good at that. So amniotic fluid, um, and you know, uh, has been wholly discredited in the market. Like if you do amniotic fluid, you're a bad doctor, but it's not true. Amniotic fluid is fine, and it's way better than what's being offered and Medicare reimbursed. So hyaluronic acid is something that's it sounds a little scary, but it's just a texture that gets put in knees, and sure. so that's about the same as PRP and amniotic fluid. They're all in that low level. But nobody thinks that hyaluronic acid injections are permanent. You know, they work for three or four months and then they don't. And the reason people do it is because Medicare will reimburse it to three to five times. Oh, wow. And it's totally a money thing. And so nobody with, you know, integrity actually does that, you know, unless the person really has no other options. So, I mean, there's always the exception. So going into the hierarchy of what's available in the birth products, and, and again, these are, are um, healthy, planned, you know, uh, vetted, um, you know, very, very, very deliberate pregnancies. Mm. They go through, they test them for every disease known to man. And that, that was one of the criticisms of some of the early things is that they weren't tested. Well, it's just never, it's not been true. You know, the reality is, it's the most tested samples of anything on earth. Oh, wow. And so super, super, super safe. And then, um, so now we've, we've got um, amniotic fluid. Then within that whole um, sac where the umbilical cord is, there's something called Wharton's jelly. Mm -hmm. Wharton's jelly is, is kind of the star these days. Wharton's jelly is a thicker, more viscous, but has mesenchymal stem cells in it and peptides and things that act a little bit like stem cells, not as powerful. But Wharton's jelly can be put in, into a paste, it can be put into a spray, it can be put into an IV, it can be put into a knee to create synovium. So I had Wharton's jelly put in my own knees. I have everything put in my own, I'm always the first of everything we do in our clinic. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that's why I can have opinions about some of these hierarchical things. They work fine. And I would say that a Wharton's jelly injection in a knee will probably last at least two years. Oh, it depends wow. on, on how rough you are on it, but it brings pain levels down, like in my case, about 80%. And um, it's not like you can't feel your knees. I've had seven knee operations, so I always feel my knees. It's a thing. Wow. But um, I can climb hills and walk the dog and, you know, take care of the gutters and do the activities of daily living. And at this, my 70th year, I begin to go, wait a minute, I don't work out. Um, you know, my hair is changing from totally white to getting darker all the time. And then my physical body is 10% stronger than it was two years ago. Wow. And I haven't seen a gym, you know, like I don't do any of that stuff. I raise chickens and I walk a dog. That's it. Otherwise I work anyway. So it's the stem cells. And, and, you know, so I, I haven't really figured out how to get that out there because there's so much pushback, you know, that that can't be true, but it is true. So anyway, so going into this hierarchy, the next level is the umbilical cord itself and the umbilical cord itself has cord blood in it. And when we talk about those two cells that divided and, and made the other cells, 
The umbilical cord blood is much higher than what's called the MSCs or the mesenchymal stem cells. Mesenchymal means mid-level, so it's going to make bone and muscle, which is not a bad thing. But this other, you know, this, these umbilical cord stem cells can make anything. Wow. When you look at an objective analysis, which is really hard, it's hard for me to find, it's almost impossible for a patient to find. What you find is that this hierarchy that I'm talking about is that, you know, the, the, the stem cells that people derive from humans, which people thought, oh, it's good because then you don't have an, an immune response, but you don't have an immune response anyway, because the DNA and stem cells are, not, are, it's called naive, and they actually take on your DNA signature. But in the beginning, we were worried about, you know, growing eyeballs on your on your hand or something. So right. no eyeballs have showed up, by the way. So um, as a matter of fact, there's almost no adverse medical events. I was reading an article criticizing stem cells in general, and they were saying, yeah, like one guy in the United States in 19, you know, or nine, not 19, in 2018 had a problem. And I was like, go look up teeth cleaning and see how many people died from it. You know, and so this, my new criterion life is, it, are things in context? Is this true Correct. compared to other things? And the reality is stem cells in general, regenerative medicine in general, is one of the safest procedures that's ever been on this earth, exactly. especially compared to the benefit. You know, and so that's what you got to do in the pushback. So the orthopedic surgeons are basically harvesting fat cells and getting stem cells out of it. Um, some people, usually the cancer doctors, are harvesting uh, bone marrow and getting stem cells out of it. That is not only the most dangerous procedure, it has the least stem cells. Fat has the next, amniotic fluid has the next, um, Wharton's jelly has the next, and the umbilical cord stem cells has the next. Next to actually using an egg, which is, you know, we're drawing a moral ethical, uh, uh, you know, barrier right there. Right. And obviously aborted fetal tissue is not even on the, the menu here. But so ethically derived, and, you know, we all want to check that box. It's, you know, we don't want to exactly. take life in order to give life. That's not the right thing. This stuff is medical waste and was going to be thrown out. And so the umbilical cord, in my opinion, anyone objectively looking at the evidence is going to pick umbilical cord um, uh, regenerative stem cells. The reason they're not is that they don't have to buy them if they harvest them themselves. And so like the orthopedic surgeons that are doing harvesting fat or even using PRP, that costs you a couple hundred dollars. Stem cells can cost us thousands of dollars. And, and now they're not charging the patient any less. Those procedures are still $15,000, $20,000, whereas stem cells are five dollars or $6,000. So the, the, it's actually a much better deal. Um, in, for the economy in general. One of the problems is, is insurance is paying for some of their stuff. And so one of the reasons we have runaway insurance is you have to bill the insurance company three times what you want. And every once in a while they pay it. So on that side, there's a lot of medical, there's a lot of economic waste, let's put it that way. So now we've got these umbilical cord stem cells and just Going back to primary creation, these umbilical cord stem cells have four properties that are just amazing. So the first is if you inject umbilical cord stem cells into an IV, let's say in your in a vein in your hand, and you had systemic rheumatoid arthritis, it would be in the other hand in a day. So it would travel, you know, wow. it's yeah, it's amazing. So it would go. You know, so it's in a vein, so it's deoxygenated blood. It would go to the to the right atrium, the right ventricle, the left atrium, the left ventricle, um, and the lungs. And all of a sudden, you have your heart treated, you have your lungs treated, and every place in your body that had a cytokine reaction or an inflammatory process, these guys are like heat-seeking missiles that go to it. So we've had plenty of cases and it's all anecdotal, but we're beginning to write up our cases because you get enough cases and it's, you know, we think we're going to have a, a story here, mm -hmm. but you get enough cases to say, you know, we're pretty sure that umbilical cord stem cells bring down the symptoms on rheumatoid changes. 
We have one patient and she's in our testimonials, but her hands were like this. They were completely contracted and we have them now halfway open. Wow. They're not perfect, but she can drive a car and she can open a jar and she can live her life and she's not in pain all the time. Wow. Um, My right leg turned black. There was discussion about, um, you know, it it had exsanguinated, it's called. So they took nine hours on a knee operation, which should have taken three. Mm -hmm. Um, It changed the way my brain vascularized my periphery, um, and it wrecked everything that wasn't central. And so that took me about $100,000 and three years to fix on a, you know, an operation that... um, it was an interesting story because the um, surgeon asked me for a testimonial afterwards. <laughs> I was like, you wrecked my life. Uh, oh, no. I'll give just, a testimonial. <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. So anyway, so now we've got this cell that is a heat-seeking missile for inflammation. So it's a cytokine queller. So there's a lot of discussion about reactive oxygen species and that kind of thing. So that's kind of an anti-aging thing. It just goes into your cells and stops them from rusting, if you will. Mm -hmm. It also replaces itself. So, you know, a million stem cells becomes a trillion stem cells and it replaces the tissue that's damaged. And when it does that, it takes on the original characteristics of the DNA code of that cell. So some of the cells in my body are one year old, even though I'm 70. Um, and that's Which work better. Yeah, they work way better. Um, I think a lot of us have done a good job of, of like aging well. But if you just take, you know, cosmic rays and the assaults of, of everyday life, exactly. you know, biphosphate, EMF, um, gluten, dairy, um, you know, you name it. What have our cells been been putting up with the same thing the earth has been putting up with and we wrecked that in the half of a century so you know it's it's the same stuff so day one cells of a bunch of people that hike in the mountains are better than dr santucci's own cells spun down i don't want my own cells and you don't want yours either so now there's a whole big pushback on this because now people are saying oh if you do your own it's safer well there's no evidence of that at all um, it's not safer, it's not less expensive, and it's it's not better. And it's a relatively low-level intervention. Compared to Wharton's jelly, PRP is, you know, not effective. So the last thing um, that stem cells do is they actually, they're, they're, the, the, the wording is they're anti-apoptotic. Mm-hmm. So they kill cancer cells. So while the oncologists were coming in with early scares of saying, oh, they cause cancer. They were, in fact, don't cause cancer. And there's not been a incident reported. No, and these things are all recorded, right? The adverse medical events of the FDA, there's not one. So, but they still scared everybody about that, you know, and it's like, so they kill cancer. So um, parenthetically or anecdotally, um, we have had four stage cancer patients that, you know, were treating with an oncologist and we were using stem cells as support therapy. You can't say you're working on um, cancer in the United States unless you're an oncologist, but you can, as a primary care physician, support them. And so that was our role. But the reality is people came back. We had a patient with a fourth stage cancer. She had a crust over her whole chest. So it was like a turtle shell. And um, two years, it had not resolved, like open wound, terrible. And she was suicidal. And in about six months, it was completely cleared up after, you know, a whole lot of things that we did. But again, in a case like that, we wouldn't just use stem cells. We would come in and say, is there antibody reactions here? You know, what's the autoimmune system doing? What are we doing to make the person stronger? I love technology. So I like regen stuff. I like God's creation of biology. I think it's awe-inspiring. But I also like giant PMF generators. <laughs> you know, they can- Those are in, cool. Yeah, every single cell in your body and recharge it. They make the stem cells work better too. Yes. So we, we do both of those things. I love the new regen technology that actually fixes the inside of nerves. So sometimes we have to do that. And then- in general, especially being a functional neurologist, you know, what we really believe is that stimulation into the brain changes the myelination of the pathways. So, um, you know, I think that there's that active part. I think everyone has to exercise. 
And um, it's kind of a weird thing because a lot of our patients are coming in with walkers or, you know, they're on a gurney or whatever. And we're going, oh, yeah, one of our goals is you're going to walk up mountains. Right. We have them walking up mountains before we're done. And so I think two things as a as a national kind of rehab um, bar, we've just set the bar so low on on people my age. Um, we're not expecting them to exert themselves. We don't give them the benefit of their contribution to their own health. Regen is one of the reasons that we're able to do that. So you give someone a 2cc IV um, and, you know, we can use the, the products that we have now. So I guess I should talk about that a little bit. So last July or June 1st, the FDA enacted tighter controls on the monitoring of stem cells. And they right. basically said that they're a drug and you needed a drug trial to use stem cells. Otherwise, you were unscientific. So does that and, mean we can't use it anymore, period? Right, right now. they had, We had done 110,000 successful um, transplants, they're called, okay. with amazing results, really good results. And... Um, minimal adverse medical events. And let's just be clear on that. Let me be in context for a minute. So the, the clarity on that is that anytime you stick a needle in somebody, one in 10,000 people is going to have a problem with it. I don't that's care normal. what That's it normal. Is. Yeah, it is normal. So what they did is they took those one in 10,000 and said that the whole industry was bad. And I was like, in that case, you're going to have to throw out immunizations, dental care, and anything else. What about prescription pills that kills 50 million people a right. year? I'm just yeah, there's weird. no context. <laughs> if, if we could somehow do a substitution analysis of this for orthopedic surgery and the prescription pills, this would win like 100 times over. Yes, it would. But the problem is these are embedded groups. And I mean, even... Like, just think, even a small clinic like mine, we probably stopped 30 knee replacements last year. Wow. You know, because they didn't. That's amazing. Need right. I've had seven knee operations. I'll never get another one. I don't need it. I'm fine. So let's um, talk another level. So we can't get the, the good stem cells, right? So there's something very, very close. And in that same umbilical cord that is a, um, they're, they're chemical vacuoles that, um, have um, peptides and other microchemicals. And so they're called exosomes. And oh, yeah. the, the, the jargon form is nanoparticles. Um, it's simply amazing what you can do when you just change a word. So you can't get stem cells, right? But you can get Wharton's jelly that has MSCs in it. MSCs means mesenchymal stem cell. Yep. So apparently the government can't do contractions. You know, so, um, you know, it's initials for a thing and all of a sudden it's okay. So at the same time, you, do, you don't really talk exosomes, you talk nanoparticles. So you need a, you know, a, a today's vocabulary translation to do yeah. all this. There are people that like exosomes as much as stem cells. I'm not one of them because I've done them. And so stem cells, about two days after you do them, and we're talking about getting people to exercise, you feel vibrant, you know, it is a, you know, palpable, discernible thing. The patients that we have supported that had Lyme disease are golfing in three months. You know, they, we've made these huge changes with it. Now, we've been forced to use exosomes in support of the patients that have serious conditions or, you know, th that we really want an intervention. Um, Post-COVID, we were using exosomes to support the, the plural regeneration. And it wasn't terrible but it's not as good as stem cells. Um, I had pneumonia a few years in a row after one, all of my, one of my car accidents crushed my chest. And um, so um, my uh, respiratory excursion was always about 60 to 80% of normal. Well, after I did the, these therapies, it's 100% of normal. Wow. There's no evidence of crackles or rails or wetness in my lungs or anything like that. So in, in some of these things, I know it's just a sample of one and, you know, the, the true scientific people are like, you know, we need a placebo-controlled double-blind study. But in region, that's not appropriate. And that's, that's one of the things that we're really trying to get across. So where we're at now is the two very best things in regenerative medicine is one is exosomes, only because we can't get the good stem cells. And the other is Wharton's jelly. And 
Wharton's jelly can be put in an IV, so you can it can be flowable. Usually, in our case, in our clinic, we're just using it for joint injections, mm -hmm. but it can also be for for wounds like diabetic wounds. So if you do Wharton's jelly with PMF, that wound is probably going to heal probably 50 times faster wow. than it would on its own. So we've taken things that have been open for two years and closed them in six weeks. Um, you know, so we, we, we are sure about this on a clinical level. So where it all goes and, and what's happening now is we kind of have been very, very frustrated by not being able to do what we could do, you know, a year and a half ago and kind of knowing it's a better answer. Mm -hmm. So um, there's definitely good players and bad players in this. Um, some of the people doing the stem cells in Mexico where they're cloning cells and they're actually doing, you know, cell cloning, you know, right. uh, the, the, the labs in the United States are like $25 million labs. This is like a building that somebody wanted. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's so sketchy. It's not funny. So, um, and, and, you know, they're less expensive and, you know, they're, 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 they're saying all this incredible stuff, like they're fresher or something. You know? no, it's kind of You're all, if, you, if you start barking like a dog, you might've gotten yourselves from there. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was scary. You know, what was being said? And I would just, you know, they were like, do you want to send your patients to Mexico? And I was like, no, I would rather set up a good clinic in St. Thomas or something like that, which we got invited to do. And we're considering because, um, um, you know, other countries are much, much more open to this. And so what's happening now is um, without talking too much about stuff that's in development, we're looking at an IRB, so an, um, a um, research bureau grant that basically allows us to do stem cells for inflammation wow. as research. And then we're going to extend it to neurocognitive um, uh, areas. Mm -hmm. One of the things about stem cells, so you know, a big part of being a practitioner with regenerative medicine is what's the delivery mechanism? Are you going direct into a joint? Are you going to go to an IV? Right. You know, are you going to pepper the muscles? What are you going to do? Well, there's a procedure which I thought was a little strange when I first learned it called internasal stem cells. Hmm. So you can put stem cells up the nasal cavity and go up to a plate called the cribriform plate wow. it actually puts them into the brain hmm. and so if you talk about a neocognitive condition one of the big things we're trying to do is decrease inflammation in the brain so you can only eat so much curcumin you know i mean you know your turmeric analysis right. <laughs> stopping you so um this doesn't have those limitations so long story short we can stop inflammation in the brain, if you then did, let's say a brain scan, neurofeedback, got the um, delta theta, beta alpha waves un under control, fix the autoimmune concomitant with, you know, first of all, you know, obviously deal with metals. It just right. kills me. people are missing the obvious things. You know, so the guy has Alzheimer's, you don't think there's aluminum toxicity maybe, or lead or arsenic or whatever it is. So just get rid of that stuff. And then we did an interesting test with 500 patients where we did a $400 DNA test on 500 people. Oh, wow. 498 of them came back positive. So the food antigens, you know, it's, it's obviously something environmental. We changed a whole, we changed a whole generation of people. Like the, our children are not as healthy, not as strong, and ultimately aren't going to be as proficient human beings as right. we are. I mean, I'd love my kids, but um, there's there's no way that their DNA is stacking up to mine or to my father's, you know, and, and it's not a cultural thing. It's a it's a DNA thing. So um, there's a lot of we never leave autoimmunity out. Let's just put it that way. Exactly. So you're now trying to fix a neurodegenerative disease. You've changed the brain um inflammatory cascades. You've stopped the autoimmune. You've gotten rid of the um, the triggers, the metals and the foods, and then you've provided some kind of neocognitive upregulation, either with exercise or neurofeedback. I think we're going to be able to do a very, very substantial pushback on Alzheimer's. And as you know, in the day, you know, you had to worry about heart disease and cancer. They're the big things that kill you. Well, there's going to be I forget what the number is, but a five times, maybe maybe six times 
increase in the incidence of Alzheimer's, mostly in females. Hmm. And, you know, they're saying it's idiopathic, which means we don't know why, but, you know, these environmental reasons, I think, are, are why. And then the complexities of balancing female hormones in the environment that has all these neurotoxins in right. it, or the pesticides and that kind of thing. Um, and we've individually looked at all those things, but it's surprising when we go from kind of seminar to seminar to workshop to conference how little people are actually putting into the conclusion barrel. You know, they're they're going, yeah, we suspect this. And I go, why aren't you putting out a thing that says, you know, pregnant women can't have pesticides near them? You know, or like, why aren't you putting out a thing that says people who are, under, you know, undergoing menopause need to have bioidentical hormones? Why aren't you putting out a thing that says men are losing testosterone at age 20? Exactly. So when we look at premature aging, and again, I'm a person that has broken most systems in my body. You know, I've had enough trauma, I've had enough surgeries, I've had enough car accidents that I've hurt everything. And then when I went to fix it, I fixed the physical part, I fixed the biochemistry, and I fixed the neurology, because that was sort of made sense to me as a non-doctor, as a common sense kind of person. If you say that in as a doctor, that that's your protocol, you'll lose your license. Yeah. Wow. And, you know, you just sit there and go, it's time for us to rethink one, the scope of practice, you know, like what are we saying everybody's allowed to do? And then two, our medical protocols, leaving neurology out. Andy must be turning over in his grave every day with as smart as he is and the stuff you can fix. And, you know, you can't even say it. And that's just, it's it's amazing. It's it's ridiculous. You know, and what I love about not being a doctor is I can say, I can call bull crap. It's wrong. It's wrong with what's going on in the medical system. And I hate to say it, but it it almost feels like Star Wars. It literally does like the the Republican, you know, it's, it's, it's what's good is evil. And what's evil is good. Exactly. it's, it's, It's not right. We've got 50 million people that die every year because of prescription drugs. Right. And then one person out of 10,000, we're going to say, right. oh, no, that's not working. What's sad is that stem cells work. I have friends and family that right. are so blessed by it. And what now we're like, you know what? It works. We can't do it. Now they got to go to different countries just to go get it done. Right. We're substituting exosomes for now, but I hope that this research IRB that we're putting together will allow us to at least say we're doing investigatory work. I really want to do the the Alzheimer's thing. I just think it's great. I think our protocol is really good. Um, There's been some fantastic research on it, but, you know, and let me just, let me just say that it's, I admire these people that are putting together, you know, we're going to alter the stem Mm -hmm. cell. So it fixes the left aortic valve, you know, I mean, a special good place in heaven for those people. But that's 10 years from now. And we're yeah. talking about stuff you can do yesterday. And then with minimal side effects, minimal anything. And, you know, when you look at the FDA, um, I always try to put myself in the other person's position. Like, I would not want the job of COVID management in the United States. I think it was a very brave and also inaccurate decision to do the specific way we we had a, you know, today I'm going to knock out this virus, um, you know, model, right. if you will, knowing in three weeks, it's going to morph and get another virus model. I don't know what I would have done. And I wouldn't want that job. And I don't, I'm not going to second guess that. So when they ask us to not have opinions about COVID, that's easy to do, because it's really, it's a hard thing. And I, I think it may be that you couldn't win that one. But at the same time, I look at that and I say, that was a decision the person made. So now you're the FDA and you want to be a good guy, an honorable person and an effective person. You have a history of you know multiple decades of doing drug trials. So they go into that as a thing. So the original people that were, and remember, they never made stem cells legal. They just said they weren't going to enforce the rules for about three years. And then one day, and they surprised the hell out of everybody because they enforced the rules. So nobody thought they were going to do that. But anyway, so now they're enforcing the rules 
And then you say, what is there? Well, there was a guy at the FDA that's not the head guy. It was the guy in charge of Regen. And he was pro, you know, letting all this happen. And we were going to have the 110,000 successful um, transplants. And then he's gone mysteriously. He just wasn't there one day. And no big brouhaha, didn't make the news, nothing. They get a new guy in there and not necessarily a bad guy, you know, and like, that's the problem with, I love your evil empire um, analogy because they may think they're doing their job and their duty. And he comes in and he goes, well, this is the drug. So um, where's your 561 drug trial? Well, the reality is people hadn't even done the first stage of testing uh, according to those um, uh, theorems mm -hmm. because they didn't think they were going to have to because they thought they were just going to show all these cases where all these people got well, didn't get hurt, and the medical claims turned out to be true. Um, and so that just got kiboshed. A very interesting thing has happened, and this is by the people that were harvesting fat cells. Two doctors in California actually sued the FDA, Supreme Court, and said regenerative medicine products, these umbilical cord and fat and your own and whatever, are not a food or a drug. And so therefore, you don't have jurisdiction. Wow. Um, that, was a, that was a chuckle. That was a little bit of happiness for a second there. But it wasn't good because we don't have clarity now. So again, we have the FDA sort of sanctioning stem cells and really being a proponent and then them coming in and saying, oh, if your doctor is doing it, he's a charlatan. And then going, oh yeah, but we were completely open to IRBs, meaning companies saying, and, and individuals and, and clinics saying, I've got something to say about this and I'd like to prove it. And then they criticized the fact that nobody came forward. It was very weird. And so you're sort of like, which mouth are you using today? And so from a clinical point of view, you did not know what to do. It is easiest on a clinic to just do exosomes because they don't have any cells in them. It's easiest to do PRP because it's your own cells. But and it doesn't work as quick as not, stem it, cells. They, those are the inferior products. Right. Wharton's jelly is, is in the middle somewhere, and it seems to be you know sort of catching on. Amniotic fluid has a terrible reputation, even though it's unearned. Um, people are still doing fat, and they're still doing bone marrow, which ought to be illegal. Fat is manipulated, I believe, and bone marrow is an unnecessary surgery, like a bad surgery. Um, and if you need a bone marrow transplant because you've got some horrible cancer, they killed your whole cell, that's one thing. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about ordering this little vial that somebody, you know, that's minus 70 centigrade and is perfect. And then somebody takes 10 minutes and puts it in an IV and you're better. It's really a, a different and much, much better. Thing. So what's the good news? What, what do you think is the good news for the future for stem cells? I think or do you see it? I, I do. I'm the eternal optimist, although it's feeling like Don Quixote lately. Um, you know, the do the right thing because it's the right yeah. thing to do. Um, you get killed for doing that. I mean, our practice um, lost a million dollars that day. And then um, lately, uh, Medicare just came in and said that they weren't going to pay for the thing that fixes the inside of nerves because people overbuild it. And so we we keep getting thrashed for, in my opinion, doing good medicine. But I think that this is, I think eventually stem cells have to come through. Um, I know personally three or four people that are doing really good work that are ready to do the, the um, independent research board, right. IRB things. It's it, There's a pretty significant pushback though. Um, you know, like I just didn't think orthopedic surgery was going to continue the way it was. It certainly looked like we had derailed it. And, um, you know, that it just wasn't necessary to go in and do these invasive surgeries when the body could heal itself with the help of stem cells. Mm -hmm. Well, orthopedic surgeries are way back up now. So, um, you know, there's nothing that kind of like succeeds like success. So they're sure they're right. Um, so I think for a regular person, you can still do injections. Wharton's jelly injections are good. They've got um, the ability to regenerate. 
they have matrix, so um, sort of some, some things that allow the synovium, especially in a knee or a hip, mm -hmm. to, um, to, to get that padding right away. I'd say that in general, um, there's a move toward people realizing that this is the move of the future. What you hope is, is that we can move what's available today into clinical protocols that, that people are allowed to access. One of the problems is a lot of the people that are doing this kind of work, like you're setting up a clinic. We've got an 8,000 square foot clinic here in Campbell. Well, um, oh, and the, the website is advancedregenmed.com, I think. I think it's got med in it, but I'll have to check it. But anyway, so um, when we're looking at a clinic like that, if you stop doing something that's that big and you retool, you may never go back to it. Exactly. So, I have friends that are just like, yep, we did that and we're done with it. It's a shame because they shouldn't be doing the substitute thing. They should be doing this. Um, I'd say another thing that's positive is there's enough people who, um, there's a second stage trial for COVID. Um, one of the things that we've had a really good experience with is the pulmonary work with this. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the COPD is, is showing incredibly good results. And so the damage that COVID might do and long COVID might do, there's probably nothing as good as a mesenchymal stem cell to fix that because they have to go to your lungs. You know, it's going to go right to that tissue. So it localizes. Exactly. And then it likes to go to inflammatory cascades. So I'd, I'd say COVID may be an opportunity here. Um, you know, and we're all looking for something. I think you just have to be really careful how you position that. Um, you know, we've stayed out of the politics of all that yeah. just because we haven't seen very much rationality anywhere in any of that. Um, but now it's kind of like long COVID will be a thing, you know, looking at spike protein damage, looking at, you know, respiratory excursion. There's some objective things you can measure and the person can tell if they can breathe better. So I personally think that, that there's going to be um, little ebbs and flows. Again, the three IRBs that I'm interested in putting together is, you know, one for basic inflammation, because it's the condition that really starts all the things that can kill you. So cancer, heart disease, diabetes. Um, there's evidence that um, this can be useful in diabetic research. And then for sure, the neurodegenerative stuff. So. I like um, internasal stem cells. Um, I had pretty severe post-concussion syndrome after one of my car accidents, mm -hmm. and I did internasal stem cells, and it was vocabulary returned in like two days. I mean, it was much, much better, and you can feel it. So um, the reality is if, you know, if people were open to it, we could get, you know, through the, the concern now is there's so much protection, you know, like people are analyzing things to the point where, you know, they have an apple, they've analyzed it to death, and now it's applesauce. Got it. And, you know, it's not valid. And so, you know, kind of trying to look at things in context is still the, the best way to do it. The functional medicine side has the tools to do this. But so far, like the Functional Medicine Institute and, and groups like that have been almost apolitical. You know, they have not, you know, come in and say, oh, by the way, not only do I have a better way, your way is no good. So um, they are also surviving better than everybody else. So maybe that is the better tactic. But I, I think that, you know, we're at a point where we need some bravery in medicine. We need some doctors to step forward. We need some legislators to actually understand the details. We need the, and, you know, I'm not against drugs or surgery. They're, they're, they're tools. Exactly. But the fact that we do six to eight times more um, surgeries than Germany, you know, and Germany has good doctors, they have money, they have, you know, intelligence. How, why are we doing so many more surgeries than everyone else? And our outcomes are worse than everyone else's, you know, and, and you just got to look at it and, from his, like just a budget point of view and go, why are we spending money on that when we could spend money on this? And for the first time in my life, I'm beginning to think politics is actually the answer. It is. Uh, you know, it isn't just what you said, where you can be a good doctor, but if nobody knows about it or it's not accepted, it won't matter. And, um, you know, we fight this every single day. So half it's, of our consult wow. 
is here's the diagnosis, you know, the longitudinal level of the lesion, all that. Here's what the treatment plan is, and here's why it isn't crazy. So we have to like re-educate people as to like a common sense, um, you know, answer. You got to speak so, to them like a three-year-old, and and that's fine. I think three-year-old stuff's good. Keep it simple, you know. This works. Let me right. show you why. I mean, that's what people really want. But then you also have your methodical type of people. You, you've got a you three to four types of people in this world. You know, when I first went to a when I had a slit disc, I went to the doctor and I was out of work for a year. Well, and I was getting worse and worse. They were giving me pills, wasn't working. I was getting all these side effects. And they were like, yeah, you know, you might just have this pain for the rest of your life. Long story short, I went to a chiropractor who did regenerative medicine. Right. Within 30 days, <laughs> I had no more pain. I was no longer sleeping on the ground. So nice. that stuff's not being talked about. Like it's it's like there's there's, there's more good than ways the bad. You're always going to have you have a hundred doctors. You're going to have one bad apple. Right. It's just in anything. The numbers don't lie, you know. And it's sad. And we need to get back to the person, the people. The, the sad part is we've got the big box um, hospitals. Just say the big box, right. and they're popping these pills like they're candy, yeah. and people aren't getting better. I hate to say it. Maybe some might. Some might. But if you weigh it, the bad's weighing out the good. Right. And um, I think that there needs to be someone that has a dominance in that area to say no more. We need to start right. focusing on the person because now you go and I, I'm, I'm paying, I'm paying $1,300 a month for insurance. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. $1,300 a month, which is ridiculous. Right. And I go to the doctor and he wants to give me a pill. I'm like, I'm good. What's the side effect? And he sounds like the commercial, the side effects, you loss of hearing, may not have, able to have an erection, uh, right. no sleep for two hours a day. Like what the heck? Right. You know, so I don't understand what's going on. Something's not right. Um, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm loss of words because no one is standing up. And if you stand up, this is the sad part. You could stand mm. up and say something and you have to watch what you say. Sure. Because if you say something wrong, uh oh, we're going to cancel you. Right. We're going to take right. your degree away because that's that's no freedom of speech. It's just ridiculous. Right. The the nice part that the the two doctors did, they, you know, they basically pushed back on Newsom when he basically said yeah. he's going to fund the anti-truth thing mm -hmm. in, in medicine. And they're like, there's no such thing. This is a moving target. We're yes. scientists. As the world changes, we change. And, you know, one of the things that people are doing the loop back on is that, you know, you get the, the Harvard or the Princeton or the Georgetown or the Johns Hopkins Medical School, right. um, you know, uh, 20th year reunion, and there's a speaker there and he goes, um, nine tenths of what you learned in medical school is no longer true. And, you know, like, that's probably great. But nobody said, oh, by the way, you did the wrong thing for the last 20 years, which right. is, is also true. Now, it might be the best we know, but there isn't a level of um, braveness and humility at the same time. Anyone who thinks they have it like nailed in differential diagnosis, I promise you they're missing things. You know, anyone who thinks that they've got the end all be all in medicine is an idiot. Um, this is a moving target. The reason exactly. we did our clinic every two years is because we learn new things. Exactly. We're like, Upgrade. You know, time to do it. Mm -hmm. So what I think is good is and where I think the potential is. And I think the potential is with the people. I think the potential is not through the organizations, but to fix enough people that they go, you know, I just want this for my relatives. And we're getting that a lot. You know, when we were doing full-fledged functional medicine with stem cells, we had a 40% internal referral rate. Well, yes. that's that's people voting with their pocketbook. You know, yep. was, they had to pay their own money. They had to understand things. And then, you know, the thing that you didn't have to do so much in that group was push back against their primary care physician. Oh, and then remember... In the United States, we've really got this God complex. You know, if oh, I don't yeah. know about it, it must not be true. 100%. And I'm like, if I don't know about it, I better learn because there's so much I don't know about. 
Um, so when, especially when we're looking at it and going, oh no, we covered the neurology, we got the biochemistry, we have the region plus, and now we're going to do the vestibular rehab. What do you do? And, you know, and these guys don't do any of those things and they think they run the show. The problem is we get our patients who we love and they're like, oh, I like this guy a lot. And I was like, why? Um, because he's using, um, you know, 20 year old medicine or, you know, worse, um, the neuroendocrine stuff, you know, the thyroid stuff is from, is 50 years old, half a century old, and right. it's really well. So, um, so when we get a patient, we, we, we think we have to go through four levels of realization to get them from kind of their programming to get them where they can be objective about their own health. And then we really like it when people ask the difficult questions and kind of go there, but not if they've got a pre-recorded answer. Um, you know, not if they've already condemned whole industries that are supposed to be the answer. So I, I do think we're in um, we're in a murky time. We're in a fight. You know, I'd like to say more positive stuff. I read a stoic thing this morning, and it was one of those. You know, when you're in the middle, that sometimes all you can do is keep walking through the flames. And that's yeah. kind of how I view life these days. We're we're in. A, I call it. We're in a storm. It's funny you brought that up. I looked at right. it. We're in a storm. The best way to fight a storm is you start, for me at least, I start praising God. I start thanking God. You know mm -hmm. what? Because there's something to learn in it. Right. If one door closes, okay, there's another way to skin a cat. I got to sit right. down, have myself a good cup of coffee, mm -hmm. and meditate. Right. What do you want to do, Lord? Because I don't know what to do. And yeah. I believe that we're going to, you cannot stop the advancement of what's going on, especially with stem cells. There's too many people that are, have, there's too many video testimonials out there of people right. being blessed. I have, I have one right here. Uh, uh, Dr. Andy Barlow had a, a gentleman that was going to go, him and his wife. Well, actually, it was just him because he couldn't walk anymore. They were going to do hip replacement. And they were going to put him into um, a home. Right. Because he couldn't function anymore. Long story short, did the uh, stem cell injection. The guy went to Israel for three weeks. Sure. And he's got his life back. But you know what? Right. That means nothing to, to whoever is controlling everything. It means nothing, you know, but that means everything to that one person. That person can have sure. the rest of his life with his grandkids, playing with the dog, living life the way it's supposed to. Right. You're right. It's the people. If we And there's so much information on the internet, but then there's also so much disinformation. Right. That was the thing is that actually- That's what hurt us, I think. Yeah. The, I the went jump. to <laughs> research some of these things and it's 20 to one against on the research. So yeah. we, we did a whole little section on understanding medical research and a regular person doesn't have a chance on the internet. I mean, no. you can do Google Scholar. That's probably the best you can do, but, you know, Medline and those things, but also- what happens in research is they start 20 projects, two of them say what they want to say, they hide the other 16, and then get some guy from Stanford to say he did them. But it's falsified information. Exactly. Period. Just because yeah. it's on there and somebody typed in there, it becomes God. Let right. me tell you something. I'm from the 80s. Yeah. And I'm good with numbers. I love numbers. And yeah. check this out. The Nintendo in 1985 was $400. But if you, why do I know? Because I mowed lawns to get that. There you go. And the games at the time were 50 bucks a piece. Yeah. When you go on Google, it'll tell you, no, it was $250 for the system. Baloney. My point is, it's like, I lived it. Right. Now Google's going to say something else. I, I catch these things. So nice. we just have to be careful. That's why I think that, look, if you go to the big box, you're going to see them for eight minutes and you're out the door. Right. I see somebody like you, you're going to sit me down. You're going to go, let's, well, you know, doctor, my shoulder hurts. Okay. Well, why are you not looking at my shoulder? Because you're looking at the whole body. Right. Exactly. You're looking for the root of the cause, not here's a pill. I'll see you next week. Let me know what's going on. Right. And that's what we need is to get back to people. You know, there is a, a hopeful part of that. I'm training two nurse practitioners to actually do functional exams it nice. took about a half a year to get them to understand that, you know, the patient's chief complaint is just one level. And then a lot of times they don't know what the deeper story is or that, that there's even an agenda there. And um, I've got it now that they can 
they can diagnose metal poisoning by the tone of the patient's skin, you know, like the way we do it. Right. And, you know, we'll still run the objective tests and we'll find the guy has arsenic, but you know, if he has arsenic and gluten intolerance, I don't care who you are. You're not fixing them. You're not. No. Yeah. You're right. It's fun because now it's more like a detective thing. And we've just decided that we stopped doing this for about five years and we had a huge pushback of people bringing their sick relatives to us. And I just said, you know what, I'm not going to do the recurring work in the clinic anymore now that I'm in my 70th year. I'm just going to do the hard cases, well, or the complex cases, if you will. And it's sort of nice because in almost every one of those times, the patient will stop somewhere in the middle or their spouse will stop in the middle and go, we've been to five neurologists and not one of them knows what you know. And I was like, because I'm a functional neurologist, I'm not a surgeon. You don't want me cutting your brain open, but you don't right. want them re- rewriting, you know, your your brain waves right. and, and really figuring it out. And it's it's been gratifying that way. That is a, a kind of a happy thing. But I, I would say that as a profession, we're still considered, you know, like one off kind of a thing. I, know. I did. Um, um, I was doing um, a credential to kind of get it to, that I could understand medical orthopedics well being a chiropractor my orthopedics is way better than theirs you know like like levels you know and it was funny to like look at it and go wow you guys think what we thought 20 years ago and you didn't add any of the neurology into it but you did this other thing that's actually pretty cool that i like but they were doing like post-isometric relaxation stretching without understanding trigenics or any of the advanced neurology and so this that group had a board so i put a question in and i said would you be open to adding a neural concomitant to these exercises and they're like absolutely so they didn't even know what they didn't know and Mm -hmm. but they were open to the thing being there the point of all that was when they were saying who should take that course usually we get listed when people are trying to sell us stuff, we're right on the list with everybody else. But when they're doing credentialing, we're in the allied and other professionals, like we're in the, you know, you're not really invited thing. Well, this time we were because of the orthopedics. So that's a huge change from 20 years ago. It's like being a chiropractor doesn't have the stigma. The other thing is you went to the fifth grade, right? But you're not a fifth grader. Exactly. Exactly. it's it's a person's first education. So I now look at um, what have you done lately? And right. then, you know, like I know chiropractors who have been to 15 colleges, you know, like they're seriously educated people. I'd like to find anyone on earth who's as good as Andy Barlow at neurology. Because no. you, you know, it's gonna be tough to do, maybe Carrick, but he's a chiropractor too. But you know, when you look at you know the whole thing in context. I think that the superstars are doing some good, but also as we incent whole professions to change. I think the PTs have done a good job of saying that, you know, if you're going to do that job, you might as well be a doctor. But mm-hmm. it can't, you know, like they're really focusing on physical medicine and they're like in the club, you know, like the same way the osteopaths right. are. But neither one of those groups is really, in my opinion, capable of being an informed generalist to the point that they could be what I call a general practitioner. And, you know, because I think you need three or four subspecialties to to actually talk to that first patient. And then in my opinion, the um, specialist should not make more money than the generalist. They should make less um, because they just do one thing. And usually they're doing whatever's on their shingle. You know, it's mm-hmm. like they're they're doing knee operations or nose jobs or whatever it is that they right. do. And yet we see people in medical school going, I'm going to specialize because I'll make a third more money. Mm-hmm. We've really got the thing bass backwards. So um, I think that there's there's enough pushback from regular people, although not enough, you know, but there's enough to begin this this conversation. And then I notice if I'm in an advanced diagnostic group or we're in a group that has multiple people, you know, uh, areas of medicine represented, I can hold my own. I'm I'm invited. Right. Listen to what I say. Um, some of it's being ancient and having white hair and being Italian. It's all in there. But um, it, it works. It works for yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. But 
you know, it's not like 20 years ago uh, where you weren't even in the room. Um, So I think that medicine is kind of understanding the contribution of different areas, but we're not optimizing, um, you know, like an example like region, like chiropractic, like uh, neurofeedback, like, uh, you know, supplementation rather than, than pharmaceuticals. And these are, in my opinions, obvious advantages. Like they're not subtle at all. So um, what I was sort of hoping is we'd have some kind of like national economic crisis that, for, you know, that, that made people be efficient because they were, this side of medicine would, would take over. You know, it would, it would be such a better system than we're having now. So those are the dreams of a person that's going to retire soon. So <laughs> those are the dreams. Well, you know, you never work really retire. You never really retire. I'm sure you'll, this is when it's the passion is injected inside you. You can't really get away from it. Maybe a little, little bit less more, but you know, you're injected with the good stuff. Uh, Dr. Uh, Thomas Tucci, I want to say thank you so much. I love your passion. I love your knowledge. And I love what you are doing in this space and helping people get better, treating the whole body, not just partial, not with a pill, but treating the body. And uh, guys, this is our stem cell update. I'm sure we will be updated because he's got some stuff up his sleeve that's going to be kicking 2023 in its face in a good way and helping more people. Again, everyone, I need you to share and like. Why? Because one video can change one person's life. Again, take take a look at Dr. Thomas Sanctucci at advancedregen.com. I took a look. It's advancedregen.com. Cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. All right. I really appreciate your energy. Thank and you for getting the word I appreciate yours. Thank you, my friend. God bless you and your family and your business. You too.